0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field. It's the Cleveland Guardians 8, the Los Angeles Angels 6. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And be honest. Be honest, morning people. Did you turn the game off? Did you do it? After the uh, Netto home run, In the top of the eighth inning, who gave up on the game? Be honest. Come on. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're in the grocery store. Shout it out. Raise your hand. Be honest. Did you give up on the game? The thought crossed my mind. The thought, as soon as Neto hit that home run, I thought, boy, there's probably a lot of people getting up and heading for for their car. There's probably a lot of people at that game heading for their car. My brother was down there at the game. I don't think he left. No, our dad taught us well. We do not give up on baseball games in our family, and uh, if you stick stuck with it, boy, were you rewarded. And you know what? You know, based on the crowd, based on the crowd noise in that eighth inning, I, I, I'm guessing a fair amount of people did stick with it. And, and you know the atmosphere, man. The atmosphere in that eighth inning, city was a rocking. You know that stadium was rocking down there. Yeah, I gotta say that, like you know, we kind of get a bad rap sometimes. As oh, you know, Cleveland fans aren't great fans, right? Oh, they're not a great fan base. No, 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 no. We when the team is when the team's performing, right? When they're when they're making the effort, we're there. We bring it. We know how to rock a stadium. You know, we. I, I think it's a bad rap. I think it's a bad rap. We were really, uh, you know, the place was bumping, and uh, the Guardians were feeding off of each other, uh, which is what this offense does uh, when it's running at its best. And we put in one heck of a performance in the bottom of the eighth inning there to take this game. I mean, best half inning of the season so far? Is that fair to say? Bottom of the eighth on this date against the LA Angels? Uh, on May 13th against the LA Angels, is this the best half inning of the season so far? I think so. Uh, I did get hit up on Twitter, uh, by one of our listeners, Zach. He said, I turned it off when Otani homered. I think you meant Ned, uh, Neto, and I've never been madder at myself. <laughs> he did say, uh, we talked, I talked about it, you know, at least we live in the age of instant highlights where, uh, you know, you get a you can even get alerts on your phone for this sort of thing. So, uh, I'm sure he was able to watch the highlight quickly as opposed to when we were kids and like maybe if you stayed up and watched Sports Center, you'd get what, a 45 second 45 second recap of the game, if you're lucky. You know, it'd be one of those things where they're like, Otani doubled, but the Guardians came back and won. Like that would be the one highlight. Uh or or you just have to wait until the plane dealer showed up at your front door the next day and read Hoynes' article or whoever was covering the beat when you were a kid, right? That, or the Cleveland Press or whatever you used to read when you were a kid, right? That, that's what you had to do. You had to wait and hear the game, read the game story and find out what happened. Uh, so yeah, maybe, oh man, I'm, I can't tell you how many nights I fell asleep listening to either a Guardians game, an Indians game. Or a Cavs game on the radio. I had that little 90's clock radio that everybody had. And you know you could set the uh, whatever, the sleep version of the radio. So it would shut off after an hour. Yep. I'd do that. And I'd just lay there listening to the game. I've got so good at... I still listen to a basketball game on the radio. Which seems impossible. But you you, you learn to follow it. You learn to figure out what's going on. When Joe Tate said right to left on your radio dial a picture formed in my head and I could see the court and it's the same way with a baseball game man Hamilton still does a great job when he's engaged in the game Tom Hamilton still does a great job of just putting that picture in your head and letting you know exactly what happened so uh so yeah so there were nights as kids where the radio would shut off you'd fall asleep and you'd have to read that article in the morning and find out what happened so uh I hope you stayed with this one uh Zach did respond and say uh Really hope this gets Naylor going. Hate that I missed the homer live, but the dugout going crazy like that made my day when I saw it. So uh, I appreciate the, uh, the comments, Zach, over there on Twitter. We got some emails about this one. Uh, Rick just said, shocking. I've been waiting for it. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, I'm watching Naylor two nights in a row now. I'm kind of watching Naylor going Ah, what what kind of a bat are we gonna get? You know, is Naylor actually gonna square one up, or you know, he has a tendency to roll over him sometimes. He, you know, uh, he, earlier in the season he was like getting RBIs via sack flies, but wasn't really getting that big hit. So yeah, I've been waiting for it too, because uh, when when Naylor's doing this, oh man, look out. Look out. Progress Some progressive field magic happening in the bottom of the 8th inning two nights in a row. Look out. I, it really could be what kickstarts this offense. I Although, when we get into the game story, I actually think there's something else here that really got this offense going on the night. I got another email from Greg. Uh, Greg said he was at the game, and after Ahmed dropped the pop-up, and then the two-run home run in the top of the 8th inning, given up already, I knew I was going to email you but then our beginning. Uh, so it wiped out Greg's whole, uh, you know, storylines of the game. It frankly wiped out a lot of my storylines of the game. Uh, he said, this game had the highs and the lows. My goodness. There's really too much to say. I'm happy the offense is heating up and scoring a lot more runs and making clutch hits. Yes, they are. I'm still unhappy with the lineup and defensive choices. Arias should should not be in right. Freeman shouldn't be riding the bench. We need to call a bone nailer. but for today... We won, and it was a big one. Excited to hear your take on this one. I'll be ready with my coffee in the morning. And then, hey, we have an early game tomorrow. Let's get this series. That's right. Don't forget. It's a good time to remind you early in the show. Usually we save this for the end. But remember, it's 11.35 a.m. start, uh, you know, local time here in Cleveland. And it's on Peacock. So uh, I I literally might just drive over to my dad's house and put the game on for him rather than uh, talk him through how to log into Peacock and uh, figure that out. So uh, if you've got <laughs> if you're got a father out there or a mother out there that's used to watching the game on Bally Sports, go help them out. Help them find Peacock, right? These Apple TV Plus games, these Peacock games, you're sitting there trying to re-log into an app you haven't used in six months uh, when you just want to watch that first pitch. So uh, go help someone out. Greg, uh, thank you for the email. Yeah, uh, you know, that's kind, of, that's kind of the fun of this show. I don't have to come on here every day and talk about when Bo Naylor is going to be called up. We all know Bo Naylor needs to be called up. What's Cam Gallagher's batting average right now? Or should I do this on a day when we're going to be so positive? Uh, should I do this? I, I kind of have to. Gallagher o, goes 0 for 2. He's now hitting 0. 0.51. His OPS, not even his batting average, his OPS is 196. I, I, literally, I mean, Cam Gallagher calls a great game plays great defensive catcher. There's one more element to the game you have to be able to do. At this point, Cam Gallagher, I, I think it's time to just become a bullpen coach or, or you know, do the thing all catchers do and become a manager one day. Uh, I, I don't know if you can hit 051 with a 196 OPS and have a job in Major League Baseball as a player. I, I just... Man, that's rough. That is really rough. So, okay, we get to talk about the game, though. We don't have to focus on Bo Naylor today. We get to talk about this absolutely fantastic game that started off a little rocky. You were a little unsure of this one. You were really unsure of this one in the top of the eighth inning uh, to the point where some of you turned the TV off or got in your cars and drove home. And uh, that's a t- that's a rough feeling, right? And you're like, all right, I'll flip the radio on. I'll at least hear how this thing ends. And then all of a sudden, Hamilton's going nuts, and you're hearing fireworks coming off behind you as you're you know getting on the freeway in downtown. And you're thinking to yourself, what did I do? What did I do? Don't don't let it happen to you. Don't be that person. All right, let's get into the storylines of the game. Let's get into the details. And uh, you know, it starts off as a battle between Cal Quantrill. And Reed Detmers, uh, they both, frankly, give their team fairly competent. Uh, I can't say a quality start for both of them because Reed Detmers only goes five innings. Quantrill does go six innings. Gives up six hits, three earned runs, three walks, uh, two strikeouts, and one home run allowed on 107 pitches. He is hard hit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Yeah, it did feel like he was hard hit a lot, didn't it? Six inning, six innings, three runs or less. That is a quality start. That's the term they came up for with that. Uh so uh that's nice there. Detmers, like I said, would have been if he lasted another inning. He goes five innings, six hits, two earned runs, two walks, three strikeouts, no home runs given up by Detmers. Uh the home runs would be given up later by Tapera. Uh and Detmers is hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. So this was, just like the last game against the Angels, this was a kind of a wild game with runners getting thrown out, tagging up to move up a base. And, you know, uh, Ramirez getting picked off because the bag is blocked by the uh, fielder's foot, and he jams his hand into the foot and can't touch the bag. He Ramirez got back. Ramirez would have been safe, but he's thrown out because his hand literally can't get back to the base. Uh which was a bizarre play, the one in the first inning. I mean, we have a chance to tie the game up. Uh, They get Mickey Moniak, his first at-bat of the season, and apparently they said, I think they said on his birthday, uh, takes a home run, gets a home run, uh, cranks one, 100.3 miles per hour, uh, 370. Was this the, let's see, was this the first pitch of the game, or was it uh, deeper into the count than that? It was deeper into the count. It was the fifth pitch of the game, a hanging curveball uh, that he sends flying 100.3 miles per hour. So, uh, all right, we're down one, nothing, and then we we have a chance to score in the bottom of the first. My top storyline of the game really is—I mean, yes, it's the home runs in the eighth inning and the but it really is Quan and Rosario basically have three or four shots at putting a rally together. Uh, in this one and uh you know they finally come through in the sixth they finally come through in the eighth and turn it into runs Quan was on base all four times in this game and uh in the first inning uh, they're set up to answer back Quan with the double Rosario smokes a single in the right field so Quan can't go anywhere and then uh Jose Ramirez comes up. Uh, strikes out with a runner on third oh, he always gets that run in that's when you knew things were going to be weird today right wasn't that just a sign that things were going to be weird and then josh bell flies out to right field feels plenty deep enough he hit it 305 feet out there Quan actually probably would have would have scored pretty easily but the throw goes to third and i know a lot of you on guardians twitter were we're very upset that Ahmed Rosario was tagging up going second to third. I gotta be honest, when I saw the play, I thought the ball was plenty, plenty deep in right field. I expected Ahmed Rosario to tag up. I expected both of them to be tagging up. That's just what they do. They're aggressive on the base paths, and sometimes it doesn't pay off, and sometimes it looks really bad. And Quan isn't, frankly, running as hard as he can, so... I don't know, he's he's not like not breaking for home like Naylor did the other day where he slid it slid in head first and you had that big collision, um, so I, it was just a great throw. I mean, it was an absolute rocket of a throw from Renfro in right field. I I got to give more credit to the fielder than I do to the to the you know blame to the base runner. Frankly, I thought it was kind of the right baseball play to tag up and go to third. Uh, cause it, it works out later in the game. He scores a run because he's standing on third base later in the game. So I don't know. I kind of felt like I wasn't mad at Ahmed Rosario. It was just really, really, really bad timing and unfortunate and a hell of a throw by Renfro. So we don't score, but Quan and Rosario do at least get what looks like a rally about to be started in that first inning. And you know what? They would keep working at it, and they would get it. In the third inning, Quan uh, would single, but Rosario would hit into a double play. Of course he would ground into a double play. That was with one out in the third inning, so they can't get the rally going there. Uh, Ramirez, they had a chance at a rally in the fourth. Ramirez with the double. Bell would walk behind him, and that's when Ramirez would get picked off. Kind of kill that rally. Naylor and Arias would both line out. On hard hit balls too, 95 miles per hour by Naylor, 96.5 by Arias. So that's unfortunate. Um, there were a lot of balls that were hit, I, and I I can't exactly find them all. I know Miles Straw had one here, 387 feet, uh, but it goes as a fly out. There were a couple. Uh, Renfro had one, 352 out to the outfield. It would have been a home run in one out of 30 ballparks. Jose Ramirez flew out, 348 uh, into the outfield. It would have been a home run in two out of 30 ballparks. There were a bunch tonight that just seemed to kind of die out there. I don't know. There, there were a couple of balls that were hit tonight that uh, just didn't seem to have the jump uh, you know, to carry the fence, frankly. And uh it seemed to happen uh, you know to everybody, not just us, not just them. Uh it happened across the board. Uh so those two lineouts there. Uh, but then in the sixth inning, there we go. That's where we get it going again. Quan and Rosario get their third at bats of the game. This time, Quan would walk. This would be big. This would be big. A lead-off walk in an inning coming around to score. Uh that would be big right there. Quan walks. Amin Rosario shoots a double in the left field. 96.9 line drive. Beautiful shot right there. Quan uh, had stole second base. He comes in and scores. Jose Ramirez flies out. This time Rosario does the same thing. Tags up from second, goes to third. I know what you're saying. Quan's you know, not trying to score on the play, so it's a different situation. But it's still kind of the same baseball play, isn't it? It's still just trying to advance on an extra base. Making that fly out means something—a productive out. Get him over to third base, and uh, I, I'm sorry, I was with one out. Josh Bell was up and a wild pitch, and boom! Amon Rosario scores from third without Bell having to do anything. So you know, you flash back to the first inning and you understand why he was trying to get himself to third. If this same scenario happens in that first inning, beautiful. You, you because he tags up. You get a bonus run in that inning. Now, it completely works out, you know, in the wrong way for us. But you, I understand the baseball play being made there. And you can see it in the sixth inning right here. So, okay, we're on the board. Three to two, supporting our starting pitcher just a little bit here. Unfortunately, they would get to our bullpen. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, De Los Santos, at times in this game, he has two strikeouts, So he, but he also gives up two hits. So there's there in in the same inning he he kind of looks like a badass, right? And then he also he also gives up some uh, costly hits. So it was kind of a weird one for De Los Santos on the day. He struck out. Uh, let's just go through it. Uh, Moniak had singled to lead off the inning, but then he's able to handle Trout, gets him to fly out to right field. And Otani comes out, and he strikes out Otani. He actually challenges him inside with a fastball and gets it past him at 96.8 miles per hour. Uh, Went fastball away that he fouled off, change up uh, middle down that he fouled off, a fastball up and away, and then came back inside with another fastball. So really a challenge pitch, and he got it by Otani. So that's what I'm saying. He he looks pretty tough, but then he gives up the single to uh, Renfro uh, you know, it was a bad throw by Gabriel Arias, and it allows Mickey Moniak to score. Um, you know, everybody moves around on the throwing error. I, it seems to me that Arias is athletic enough to play right field and track fly balls and run things down. He They still got to work and teach him some of the just knowledge of being an outfielder, right? What to do with the ball what kind of throw you need to put on it, when to hit that cutoff man. It's it's pretty much all the time. Pretty much all the time you should be aiming for that cutoff man. So Arias still has a few things to learn if he is going to keep playing right field. Although, I, you know, I agree that his best position is probably at uh, at shortstop. Uh, and, but, you know, even Jose Ramirez had to play outfield when he was younger just to get some playing time, right? This isn't a unique situation. A wholly unique situation to Gabriel Arias. There's precedent to it, at least is what I'm saying. And then uh, he attacks Hunter Renfro with a lot of sliders before going to the fastball and uh, striking him out uh, on an outside fastball at 96.9, and he strikes out on a foul tip. So, like I said, De Santos gets a couple of strikeouts. There's times where he looks really tough, and he's a strikeout pitcher. Remember when we got him, I think the thing that we talked about on the show and we got him, we instantly went and looked at his strikeouts per night. And there was something there. It was a pretty good number. And you knew that's what the Guardians were leaning into. They liked strikeout pitchers like this. De Los Santos hasn't been completely, you know, a shut-down pitcher. As you can see, he gives up a run here. It makes it a 4-2 to game. Uh, But, you know, uh, can be pretty tough at times. Then, uh, in the top of the 8th, right, the unfortunate situation... Eli Morgan, with the uh, you know, was working the inning, uh, ends up getting a pop up behind shortstop, and Ahmed Rosario calls everybody off, and then just drops it, just misses it. I can't even tell you what he did wrong. There's nothing like mechanical that he did wrong. Just one of those things where it's just you don't even understand how the ball didn't land in your glove, right? You're staring at your hand, going, "How did you fail me, hand?" Uh, so. It sucks. It sucks, but I I don't even know what we could. There's no coach who's going to tell Ahmed Rosario uh, something he could correct to make that play, right? It's just really bad timing because Eli Morgan could have gotten out of the inning, and then Neto comes up, their number nine hitter, uh, and uh, launches a home run into uh, the bleachers. And suddenly it's a six to two game, and things have gotten really out of control. And then we get to the 8th inning. You've been waiting for it. I've been waiting to talk about it. And once again, here's the storyline of the game. It is uh, Andrew Watts in there uh, for the Angels and works a 10-pitch at bat and finally gets Brennan to fly out uh, to center field. A lot of fastballs in this thing, a lot of cutters and fastballs. He only threw one breaking pitch, one sweeper in this at bat but man did Brennan battle at least and foul off a ton of pitches before finally flying out maybe that tired him out because Stephen Kwan jumps on the first pitch man he saw a lot of fastballs in that standing on that on deck circle and you know Kwan had an article uh Zach Meisel just had an article in The Athletic about Quan and talking about why he takes so many first pitches and he doesn't even care if you know Quan's like I'm just I'm gonna take the first pitch like it's like ninety-four percent of the time, or something like that. He takes the first pitch, but you know they were talking a lot about the starter and the first pitch of the game, and talking about seeing a lot of pitches for his teammates and being totally comfortable being down in the count. Like it doesn't phase him. He just does what he does for every pitch, whatever the count is. He has that same approach to every pitch. But he also said he you know, he's looking fastball. You know, I think he kind of feeds off of Ramirez and that where they're hunting fastballs. They're sitting fastball and reacting to something else. And he gets a first pitch fastball and it's up and it's middle of the plate and he jumps on it. And it's a lot different situation against a reliever at the end of the game than it is against the starter in that first inning. In the first inning, you do. You want to make him work a little bit. It, the late in the game here, you just take the first pitch you can handle and put a swing on it and so he gets the fastball he was looking for and jumps on it shoots a ground ball into right field and uh he's on with a one-out single and then they would just keep hammering to right field Ahmed Rosario gets two cutters away lays off the first one for a ball sees the exact same pitch and boom jumps on it hits a nice bloop single into center field Quan moves up to second hey hey there's something brewing here There's something brewing. Jose Ramirez comes up next, and he works a long at-bat, works an eight-pitch at-bat. So Wants is really – what is that? You know, 10 pitches against Brennan, one against uh, uh, Quan, two against Rosario. So he's already up to 13 pitches. Ramirez works an eight-pitch at-bat, so he's got him over 20 pitches already in this inning. And uh, eventually he gets a fastball a middle away – and uh, you know, surprisingly, uh, for a pitch away, jumps on it, hits it 104.7 uh, in the right field. Quan comes in to score. Rosario goes first to third, and now there's something really cooking here. Now you're starting to feel it. The crowd is starting to feel it. You know, this is a great at bat from Ramirez because again, he's down early. He's down one, two in the count. Eventually, after following off three in a row, takes two. Uh, takes a change up down in the dirt takes a fastball way high over his head, lays off it, and, man, when things got to a full count, you felt something change. You felt a change in the air, and it really felt like Ramirez was totally locked in on this guy. And uh, once made the mistake. I, I don't know exactly where the catch was set up. I wish that was available on StatCast here. Um, but uh, he makes the mistake of leaving that kind of middle – middle height we'll say and it is a little bit off the center of the plate but he leaves it up around the belt and uh, Jose jumps on it it's a minus one you know launch angle so it kind of is a line shot Uh, it's considered a ground ball but it is kind of a line shot ground ball into right field for this run then he's got to face the lefty bell tries to come in with the cutter on him twice the first one he fouls off and he's way behind it the second one in the exact same location, a little bit lower, but he's on it this time. Uh, you know, first time maybe he's just reacting, uh, didn't exactly get the pitch he was looking for, and he's kind of way behind it, fouls it off, uh, you know, past third base, in the you know, down the left field line a little bit, but he's way behind it. This one he hits at 101.7, pulls it into right field, shoots it between first and second, same negative 1 degree launch angle so a nice kind of line hard grounder uh through that right side. I mean Rosario comes in to score. Jose Ramirez goes first to third. Oh man, now it's really cooking and it brings up Josh Naylor. They go to the bullpen and get Ryan Tapera. I'll never forget Ryan Tapera because he in 2021 he was having a great season for the Cubs. He's this uh you know this trade deadline acquisition that the Chicago White Sox make trying to bolster their bullpen because bullpen, they're battling with Cleveland. So they're trying to bolster their bullpen. I think they went out and got a couple of guys for their bullpen in the 2021 trade deadline and Tapera's first appearance for the White Sox is against the Guardians. And we light him up. We we knock him out of the game. He doesn't even record an out. Uh, Fermil Reyes homer off him in his first batter he faced in a White Sox uniform, and it just we actually end up going on to lose the game. check blows the game later after that, but it just it was kind of it's just a funny moment as a Guardians fan to see. Oh, they went out and got a reliever. Ooh, from the National League. Ooh, tough guy, right? Uh, and then he comes in and we just ruin his day. Uh, So I always remember that from Ryan Tapera, and we ruin his night again. Uh, He comes in to face Josh Naylor, uh, throws him a a slider for a called strike, and then tries to stay inside on him, and Naylor absolutely unloads. Uh, A fastball, a 91.3 mile per hour fastball, middle in. He turns on it, hits it 150. 5.6 mile-per-hour exit velocity, 31-degree launch angle, 376 out to right center field, and it's a three-run home run, and the Guardians have now jumped on the Angels. They have a 7-6 lead, and the shot of the Angels manager Nevin standing there in the uh, dugout in his cut-off hoodie sleeveless thing, uh, just he's just totally... Just emotionless, like he just—he's—he's he's total blank. Like he just—he can't believe what happened. He can't even believe it to the point where he can show anger. He's just there's just nothing there. He just can't even handle the situation. Uh, a beautiful reaction shot. If you're a Guardians fan, uh, and Naylor, uh, no headbutting, no no screaming, no cursing this time. Just as uh, as they used to stand Sports Center way back in the day. Cool as the other side of the pillow. Just absolutely chill. Walks into the dugout. Takes his high fives. Uh, I don't know what happened when the cameras cut away. But uh, man, Naylor. Oh my god. Okay, look it. So this is what I'm talking about. Uh, Okay, let's add on to this first. And then I'll make my point. Uh, Two batters later, uh, David Fry pinch hits. uh, And he eventually strikes out. Chases a slider away. And then it brings up Andres Jimenez. With two outs, it first gets a slider down and in, and then Tapera, another fastball middle of the play. This one's more middle-middle than Naylor's was, uh, and he jumps on it 104.2 miles per hour. 38-degree launch angle, so a little high, 364 uh, out to right field, but he pulls it down the right field line where it is a little bit shorter in Cleveland. Uh, and gets it out for a home run. Uh, Naylor's would have been a home run in only 23 of 30 ballparks, surprisingly, even though it had a 940 expected batting average. Andres Jimenez only had a 470 expected batting average, but would have been a 20 a 27 out of 30 ballparks. So I guess there's just a lot of ballparks that have ridiculously deep right-center fields, and most ballparks have short right fields. Is that? I guess that's what that's telling me. Either way, they both absolutely smoke fastballs. And uh, that's the insurance run we couldn't get uh, in the first game in this series, making it 8-6, to six, and Stefan is able to hold it in the ninth inning. They do get two runners on with two outs, but then he gets Drury to ground out to Ramirez. So my point here is uh, it's, it's multiple things have clicked in for this offense. Quan and Rosario starting rallies, huge. Need that. Naylor being able to finish it, with this big three-run home run, I mean, that's what we've been waiting for, right? That's, uh, you know, the email we got from Rick. I've been waiting for it. I think think that's what he's talking about. The big one, the big hit. Look, we can string together a run or two in four or five different innings, right? And we can make it the real hard way. But, boy, a three-run home run in the eighth inning sure felt great, didn't it? It sure was a fun way to do it. And uh, seemed, did it seem easier to just get a rally going and get that big hit and take care of it all in one inning? I don't know. It's it's a lot of work to do it the other way. Uh, this one, man, bet, it is. It is the best half inning of the season so far. So uh, we end up with the win. Uh, Trevor Steffen, uh gets the save. Uh, Morgan actually ends up with the win even though – Uh, You know, he had kind of a rough top of the eighth uh, with the home run given up and uh, the error that should have got him out of the inning. Uh, So uh, he actually ends up getting the W on the day. Quantrill pitched fair. I'll all say about Quantrill before we get out of here. He wasn't really a storyline in this game, even though he was the starter. But I will say only through the cutter and the sinker, uh, 65% of the time. Right? 35 cutters, 34 sinkers. Threw 16 splitters, 12 curveballs, six changeups, and even four forcing fastballs. And you know what? It worked. He, he, man, only a 19% whiff rate, a little higher than we've seen. 12 called strikes, though. Uh, 21% CSW. That's actually pretty fair for Quantrill, who's not a strikeout pitcher. He pitches to contact. Uh, and it kept him off the cutter, I guess, a little bit. The average exit velocity was 84.1. Uh, Now, there are some extremes on that. (laughs) The max was 110, uh, and the min was 62. So maybe there's some extremes there that he ends up at 84.1 average exit velocity. But mixing up those pitches definitely helped him on the day. He's a better pitcher the more pitches he's throwing. Uh, because he relies so heavily on the cutter and sinker. You need a few splitters, and even though they jump on that curveball in the first at-bat for a home run, okay, if you hang one, it's not going to help, but uh, having those other pitches there just to change speeds, just to change movement just a little bit, just to keep him honest, uh, seems to be a big help. Uh, Got a little more outside-the-zone swing on this one, 35% total on the day. O swing, getting him to swing outside of the zone for only a 65% contact rate outside the zone. So we did get some swing and miss out of the zone and get a little chase there from Cal Quantrill. So that's what I'll throw in about, you know, the starter. We got to say something about the starter, uh, even though MVP on the day, Josh Naylor, two days in a row, unbelievable. Just what a fantastic, just added to the pantheon of great progressive field Jacobs field moments Uh this stadium still has a little magic left in it, I guess. So that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Thanks for emailing in. Thanks for hitting me up on Twitter. Thanks for being a part of the conversation. Again, the final, it's the Guardians 8, the Angels 6. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. Nobody's done it yet, but you can go to the link in the show notes. It's a tool they offer, and you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So, thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.